Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're going to discuss X-Men number 66, the March 1970 issue, the final issue of the X-Men, as it were. As it were. The title is The Mutants and the Monster. Scary monsters, super creeps, keep me running, running scared. Scary monsters, super creeps, keep me running, running scared. Okay, last issue it promised us that the issue would be called The Hulk, but whatever. No, I think it was just saying next, The Hulk, oh. you know, as in The Hulk's going to be in the next one. Oh. Well, okay. Being that it's the first appearance of The Hulk in the X-Men uh, pages, it could very well have been just simply called The Hulk, don't you think? Mm, I don't think that's like a very good title. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, some of the other titles that we've had have been good. Like, what was the last one? If I Be Slave or something like that? That probably is a little lower on the on <laughs> the, on the the charts than the Hulk would have been, but... Oh, okay. Well, at least we're in agreement there. Well, anyways, uh, let's see. This uh, features the Hulk on the cover. They're apparently in Las Vegas. There's a... The Golden Nugget is behind them, followed by the Blue Chip Lucky Bucks. There's the Nevada Club. There's the Silver Dollar. Yeah, they're all there. This is a cover by Marie Severin again. I am uh, was doing a little bit of research on Neil Adams, and apparently uh, Marie Severin and Neil Adams were good friends. Yes. Back in the day. So, you know, p- potentially with all that Lizard Man talk last issue, there were no ill feelings other than maybe the editorial direction. It, I was under the impression from what I read that she didn't exactly feel good about Drawing over his lizard. <laughs> Drawing over his lizard. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, was that kind of a friendship? <laughs> but uh, yeah, and we we implied last issue that Neil Adams left Marvel, but he didn't. He didn't actually leave Marvel. He went on to do other things like the Avengers and yeah, various other comics. I listened to the episode again, and I, I said he left the book. I never. I don't. And it may have sound like we we talked about him leaving Marvel, but. Yeah, he definitely, well, left or was pulled off of X-Men. We'll talk about that a little later. But for now, uh, on the cover of this, we've got the X-Men. All five of them, uh, minus Havoc and and uh, Lorna Dane, are fighting the Hulk in what looks like downtown Las Vegas. With a very shiny floor. Uh, well, everything's shiny in Las Vegas. <laughs> How do you know it's Las Vegas? Well, it's got the it's got the golden nugget. There's no other golden nugget in town, and plus it says Nevada, the Nevada Club. It, is what isn't Reno like another place where they have lots of stuff like this? Reno's like the Boy Scout version of Vegas, but yeah, Reno is in Nevada, and it does have casinos. And I bet there's a golden nugget there. I don't know, maybe I'm not sure. Never been there. But anyways, as we open this thing up, 
We see that uh, Roy Thomas is on the helm writing. Sal Busema is drawing for us. Sam Granger is embellishing, and Artie Simic is on letters. Sal Busema, or Buschema, or whatever, is the brother of John Buschema, who is, uh, I guess, pretty popular at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. inked him in the beginning. This this is probably one of his earlier art artings where he draws instead of inks. His breakout issue, if you will. I don't think it's his breakout issue, but it's it's he's probably been drawing for a little while. He's probably like a, the fill-in guy. Ah, there you go. The Marvel fill-in guy. So as we last left the professor, he had collapsed after his attack with the other X-Men on the Xenox. From the mental agony of linking up the minds of half a planet. Yes. And we have all of the X-Men in here, minus Angel, who are all surrounding the professor's bed, all wishing that uh, he could get snap out of it and just come back to us. It would be grimmest irony of all if he had returned to us for, after so many long months only to have his greatest triumph also become his final one, says Cyclops to himself in the corner. I think it'd be par for the course. I mean, look at some of the villains that have like risen back to power only to die like within the same day. A Magneto dies every issue he's in. <laughs> like you got yeah, Magneto, Juggernaut, all these guys that are like, I'm going to destroy you. Ah, I'm dead now. It would be par for the course, but I don't. Something tells me that the professor might just make it through this one, but I'm not sure. I don't know. This is the last issue. Yeah, maybe he dies, and we—it's it's just it's the end of the professor forever. Well, anyways, we go on to the next page, and uh, Lorna and Havok are in the corner of the room, and mind you, everybody's in their X-Men costume, which is, I think is kind of funny. I mean, well, they just got back. Oh, I see. All right. And uh, Havoc is trying to comfort Lorna. Uh, Iceman wants nothing to do it. He, he he blasts a thing of ice in between Lorna and Havoc and says, Keep your paws off my girl. Yeah. And Havoc's like, Your girl? You ever try asking her about that? Besides, I was just trying to comfort her. I'll comfort you with a face full of snow, you dirty. And then Cyclops blasts the floor. <laughs> I will ruin this room and make Marvel Girl have to pick up lots of things if you don't stop fighting. <laughs> Marvel Girl's like, what? I'm not your maid. Why, why does Cyclops blast the floor? I mean, he does say, stop it, both of you. Why doesn't he just say, stop it, both of you? I think he's, you know, it's like firing a gun into the air. Like, everybody pay attention to me real quick. I got something to say. You guys are acting like a pair of high school Romeos. I'm going to blast the floor. <laughs> Take that rug. <laughs> <laughs> that rug's going to need replacing. Lorna says, your sentiments go double for me. It's Professor X we should be worrying about. Not who gets to take me to the next sock hop. (laughs) Classic line. Ooh, burn. (laughs) Uh, Lorna one, Iceman zero. Okay, greedy lax, you made your point. For a human popsicle, I guess I'm kind of hot tempered. It looks like Cyclops still wants to beat somebody up because Beast has to kind of hold him back. Iceman and Havoc are kind of making up here real quick. Like, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, Beast does try to change the subject, and he says, what about the professor's mind probe? Oh, yeah, the mind probe. Do you remember the mind probe, Jeremy? No, I don't. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) However, there's an editorial note that lets us know that uh, apparently this same apparatus was shown in Avengers number 68, 
Uh, Beast also explains that, well, we built this based on the publishings of articles by Dr. Henry Pym, which begs the question, why is Dr. Henry Pym publishing articles on mind probes in uh, trade (laughs) journals? That doesn't make any sense. The Marvel Universe is a very different universe than the one we live in. Okay. He's probably also got like Ultron diagrams (laughs) up there so people can build their own Ultron. So apparently somewhere within the last, I don't know, 40 or so issues, the X-Men went out to Radio Shack, bought themselves some parts, and using the schematics published by Dr. Pym, made themselves a mind probe and uh, happened to just forget about it and leave it in the cellar lab. But... Well, according to Cyclops, it was it was built just before the professor died slash vanished. So they probably were grieving and forgot about it. Oh, 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 the professor. If only we could mind probe for him to see if he's truly dead. I know if only we had a mind probe device. Ah, who knows? Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they continue to give Dr. Pym some kudos about how smart he is and blah, blah, blah. So they, they bring this thing up into the bedroom and they blast it at the professor's head. Uh, but they they say, you know, we got to be careful because this thing's pretty powerful. We might actually melt his brain if we if we turn it on too high. Tough stuff. Mm-hmm. I know deputy leader, deputy leader, but still, I have this inexplicable premonition that the professor himself knows how we could cure cure him. If only we could reach him somehow. So I want to uh, go back two panels, four, pa- three panels. What is Iceman resting on? Shakespeare's head. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry about that little distraction there, but I just noticed it, and it kind of looks kind of looks like um, uh, Banshee's stupid blonde haircut thing. It looks like he kind of has a mustache too. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's Shakespeare, but okay. it's it's somebody. Okay, so that was just bugging me. Anyways, uh, also, you know, if I was a Cyclops, I'd be like, hey. Why are you still calling me deputy leader? Like, this old man ditched us for, like, two months. We had to hitchhike across this globe to defeat the Fearsome Three or Fear Factor Three or whoever the hell they were. I am no longer deputy leader. I am the leader. Don't you think? Well, you know, it's a it's a difficult moment they're having right now. I feel like it's a passive-aggressive way of Beast to put Cyclops in his place. Hey, deputy leader. Oh. Why you got to bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways. So as they, they use the machine on the professor, uh, they do catch a glimpse of the professor who is saying louder and louder, the Hulk, get him, the Hulk! And they switch off the machine, uh, apparently right before it would have done some damage and killed the professor. Well, they speculate that. There's no proof. There is no proof. Basically, Scott says, a few moments more and the strain might have killed Professor Xavier and Beast agrees beyond a doubt, Mr. Summers. And yet he was uh, infatuated with the Hulk. Why? Cyclops says, hey, Gene, Professor transferred some of his mental powers to you. Remember the power transference that you went through? You could use your powers to probe his mind. To which I say, seriously, you didn't think of that in the first place? You made us go through a page of getting out this stupid device? 
uh, Sal Buscema is like, oh, I, I, I got to fill pages. I don't know what to put in here. Roy, help me out. Give me some dialogue to work with. Well, so anyways, Marvel Girl does probe his mind. And uh, at first, what, she can't quite get anything, but she's asking for a sign. But the only thing that he can project to her is the lumbering deadly Hulk. And then Cyclops surmises, oh, this must have a connection with the Hulk. But I wonder what it is. Wait a minute. (laughs) The Hulk is also known as Bruce Banner. Oh. So why didn't the professor say Bruce Banner? (laughs) Why do we have to go through these various mind probing devices to figure out the same information? Could have saved a page one way or the other by either using the mind probe or Gene's telepathy to figure this out. I guess it's confirmation, right? Trust but verify. All right, so they say we got to go. We got to get the Hulk. Cyclops says, uh, but he Cyclops reminds Havoc that the professor has many enemies. So Havoc agrees to stay behind. Lorna also agrees, and Iceman freaks out and says, "Iceman makes three. <laughs> I'm staying behind too." <laughs> Maybe I'm more of a green-eyed monster than the Hulk, but I also know that Ebsen makes the heart grow fonder of somebody else. <laughs> it's horrible. First of all, the, the X-Men are going to go after the Hulk, who I think has probably been in the news. Everybody knows how strong he is, and you really can't reason with him. Wouldn't you want to have like the entire team with you? Yeah, seeing as how Iceman wants to stay... They should just take Havoc and, <laughs> and uh, Lorna Dane with them. Then it's agreed. Iceman will stay behind Havoc and Lorna will come with us. Hey, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> what is Iceman doing in this panel? He's like got a, He's got one hand reaching out, grabbing something, and the other hand is at his chest. I don't. He's he's very animated here. He's just. <laughs> you will not forget about me. So uh, they jump into their little Sentinel hovercraft. And fly out the roof. And then they pick up Angel on the way because Angel's on guard duty. Yeah. And Angel, I guess they were going to leave him uh, because Angel's like, hey, open up the hatch. I want to come. So the (laughs) X-Men's plan was to go with Cyclops, Beast, and Marvel Girl. No, no, they were going to take Warren. They They just had to pick him up. But he didn't realize that. Oh, if you say so. So he freaks out. Fine. Because in, in the previous panel, Beast says, don't forget that Warren is on guard duty, Scott. We may need his help before this day is over. Oh, Gene says that. I thought it was just like, oh, don't run over Angel when we're flying away. <laughs> like, don't he's flying out there, so keep an eye out for him. All right, well, anyway, so they, they pick him up. Uh, and uh, conveniently enough, there was a newscast off panel that told us that, um, or told the X-Men, rather, that the uh, Hulk was in Las Vegas. Oh, so it was Las Vegas. Yeah. Angel jumps out of the plane. We get an editorial note to let us know that, for the record, he flew in the Sentinel ship for most of the time, to which I say he flew across the Atlantic Ocean. At this point, <laughs> who cares if he flew from New York to Las Vegas? That's not a stretch anymore. Maybe they got a lot of letters about that. <laughs> Maybe. So off he goes. And Angel kind of takes off. Well, they don't form a plan. I, Angel just takes off. So, par par for the course, anyways. He immediately spots the Hulk, out of luck. Although the Hulk's a giant green man, I guess he wouldn't (laughs) be that hard to spot. He's just walking down the middle of the street, 
I want to be alone. It's probably not a good idea for him to attack the Hulk, so he's gonna he's just gonna hang out, which is surprising from Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, kind of. It's it's oddly drawn, but yes, he does decide that he's going to keep his distance and wait for the rest of the team. But Hulk's like, "Who are you? You have mask. I don't like you." So he hits his fists together to create a, uh, I don't know, like a sonic boom or a sonic wave or something, and Angel goes flying backward. Marvel Girl calls it a sonic wave. Yeah. Beast uh, jumps out of the Sentinel plane, followed by Marvel Girl and Cyclops, and runs headlong into the Hulk, saying, this will take care of him, but it doesn't. Typical Beast. Mm -hmm. You know, Beast really hasn't fought a superhero that's uh, of his ilk in terms of, like, the strength and uh, dexterity. You know, like Hulk or Thing. I guess Thing doesn't necessarily have the dexterity, but you know what I'm saying? It's like he's normally used to fighting stupid people that he can knock over with his feet. So you're you're like saying that this is like one of those who would win in a fight, Hulk or Beast? Oh, it's Hulk. Hulk Hulk could probably smash his head without even thinking about it. All right. The only reason Beast lives here is because Hulk is apparently holding back. No, no, no. There's there's no uh there's no question here. But, you know, like I think I'm discovering that Beast is kind of a kind of a weak character. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to the Hulk and compared to a lot of a lot of other superheroes. Super strong villains, I suppose. But, you know, compared to the average dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, pretty... Definitely. I, I mean, I would take him in a, you know, in a fight uh, against a normal person any day. Perhaps Beast could use a makeover. Oh, perhaps he could. We'll get to that. So Hulk <laughs> backhands Beast and Beast goes flying. Cyclops is trying to reason with him, but Hulk doesn't like words words try to confuse all smash well he doesn't say that he, he picks up a <laughs> lamppost like a strand of spaghetti at which point cyclops realizes he has no choice but to blast him so he does but he thought it would actually affect the hulk and the hulk doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all and just keeps coming at it as if he were wading through water so it's slowing him down, but uh, they kind of kind of come up with a plan on the fly here. To uh, while Cyclops kind of holds him in place, so that Hulk has to use his strength to push forward. That kind of weakens him to a mental attack, which Marvel Girl unleashes upon him and penetrates uh, uh, his mind and and uh, causes him to fall over and fall unconscious. Proving that Marvel Girl is yet again the best member of the team. Y- yes, definitely. At this point, the Hulk, I guess, is this whenever he goes unconscious, he turns back to Bruce Banner? See, I've never really caught on to what the Hulk is all about. Well. He doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. The gist of the Hulk is that when he gets mad, he turns into the Hulk. When he calms down, he turns back into Bruce Banner. Yeah, but it seems like he like wanders around like all right i'm kind of cool now stupid humans are leaving me alone but then he stays the hulk so is he always just that angry or does it just change like it seems like the conditions of his powers change to accommodate whatever is easier to tell yeah like any story it's whatever needs to happen at the time is whatever will happen because you know i read the first few issues and in the first few issues he only turns into the hulk at midnight or at dark or something. Right. The Hulk's been through a whole bunch of different 
transformations, I guess, of his transformation. And he started out gray and smart. And eventually he became this kind of angry green Goliath that isn't very smart. In the first issue, I think he was gray, and in the second issue, he was green, and nobody like bothered to try to even explain why that happened. Hmm. And I think there was a letter that came in, and was like, "Huh, we didn't notice," or some stupid Marvel response. You're right. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, uh, Banner, he's like, "Oh, I'm back. I'm oh, thank God. I never want to be the Hulk again." And the X Men, rather than like kind of giving this man some space who's clearly been through a strenuous ordeal. I mean, I got to imagine that turning from the Hulk back into Bruce and forth, back and forth, it's got to be kind of tiring, right? I mean, when does he actually get a chance to sleep? So as he wakes up in a pile of bricks, that's got to suck. <laughs> so rather than letting him kind of catch his bearings, they grab him and they're like, hey, hey, we're the X-Men. We're mutants. Do you know Charles Xavier? And he's like, uh, uh, no, I don't, I'm tired. Please must rest. So tired. And, oh, but we've come so far. There's so little time. But unfortunately, the military has arrived. Yes. Glenn Talbot is a regular in the Hulk comic strip, I guess. He's in charge of the military here. Is he the, like, the main military man? No, that's General Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, okay, General Ross. Okay, so who's this Talbot guy? Talbot is a guy who I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know that he is uh he is vying for the affection of Bruce Banner's girl. Oh but he's an honorable man. And that's General Ross's daughter, right? He wants her to fall for him. He doesn't want to like do it the wrong way or something. Sure. Okay. So uh they've got they're surrounded. Um Cyclops is trying to reason for him. Um he says that the man, or the life of a man depends on the answers that we can get from Dr. Banner. A man called Charles Xavier. I thought they were trying to keep a low profile on Charles Xavier for a couple of reasons. First of all, doesn't the world think he's dead? And second of all, aren't they trying to like kind of keep a separate like X-Men Charles Xavier thing going on? So there's like no connection? Well, I can see this though because Charles Xavier... I mean, other than the fact that he's supposedly dead, he is uh, like the foremost uh, knowledgeable dude on mutants. So it would make sense that a group of mutants would discover that he was dying and go to rescue him. All right. So it's at this point, uh, hearing Xavier uh, again, that Bruce Banner's like, wait a minute, I remember a brilliant scientist. We were exchanging correspondence on gamma ray treatment of mental exhaustion. I have a secret lab and a device. I worked out a device based on our mutual theories. It's still there in one of my secret labs. That's it. That's the tie-in. <laughs> Take us do it, Doctor, or Charles Xavier will die. And the Talbot's like, not so fast, mutant. You're forgetting that he's my prisoner. Uh, blah, blah. And apparently Bruce Banner, after getting his 15-minute reprieve, uh, turns back into the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> it's a tough life being the Hulk. I know. And so I guess I really didn't realize that he's literally two different personalities, right? Yes. Although sometimes no. 
Oh, okay. Sometimes Bruce Banner's able to like cooperate with the Hulk and like be the Hulk. Yeah, it's 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 been going on for like five, six hundred issues. I mean, you you you're bound to run out of stories. Oh, okay. All right. Doesn't he turn red at some point? No, that's a different Hulk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. It it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, the Hulk, he takes, he, uh, smashes a tank and, uh, he strikes a pose and, uh, as you do, (laughs) and he jumps away with a mighty thoom. The, uh, military are shooting at him, but it doesn't do any good. The X-Men decide to make their escape before the military turns around, which, which works at which point. Uh, the military does turn around and realize they're not here. And Johnny machine gun is like, then they were in cahoots with that monster. Just like we thought that soldier is something we may never know. Gather up your marbles and let's get back to the base. It's a good thing. Glenn Talbot has like the capacity for thought. (laughs) So they fly around and apparently they find the Hulk uh, and just to keep on top of what the audience is already thinking, somebody asks, how did you manage to keep him in sight, Scotty? Scott says, I didn't. We just lucked out. This is a theme of the issue is, is <laughs> kind of lucking out. Yeah. Things just happen, luckily. If he had thumed off one more time when he landed, we'd have been out of it. So thumed, I guess, is slang for jumped. Maybe. Well, yeah, if you go up to the top panel there when he oh. jumps, it's got a thoom sound effect. All right. I thought that was more onomatopoeia. It's not like... Yeah, well... <laughs> not like, the, hey, uh, the engine's not frushing like it used to frush. Something's wrong with the frusher. <laughs> Maybe that's what it sounds like in the real world, too. They were like, whoa, you just thoomed away. <laughs> All right. So they're flying around, and uh, they notice that the Hulk has stopped. So they land the Sentinel craft next to where the Hulk was. But by the time they actually make it to where the Hulk was, he's jumped on top of a hill and is holding a giant rock, which he's going to throw. Angel decides that he's going to become the optimal target since he's able to move out of the way. But the Hulk completely ignores him and throws the rock at the people down at the bottom. Which is okay because Cyclops just shoots it and uh, Beast deflects any stray uh, rocks that may come. No, that's Marvel Girl. Beast thinks to himself, I'm going to pursue a little sub plan. Oh. Oh, and it's a brilliant plan too. Let me tell you. He sneaks up behind the Hulk and kicks him. (laughs) Wow. And it works. It It does work. I'll give him that. Kicks him in the back. And the Hulk goes flying into the side of a mountain. I guess he hits the ground and it causes an avalanche, causing him to get buried alive. And Beast freaks out. Oh, my God. If he changes back to Banner, he'll be crushed to a pulp. And I'll be just what they always claimed all mutants are, a murderer. Ease up. Don't worry. We don't know for sure if the Hulk or Banner is dead. Oh, look, the rocks are trembling. The Hulk is alive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's much more excited than that. Don't you know that nothing can kill the Hulk? Jeremy? Nothing. Well, he's telling me right now, right here. (laughs) Well, so the Hulk emerges from the rocks in which he was entombed in for a couple of seconds, and the X-Men notice that there's a strange-looking laboratory behind the Hulk, full of all sorts of machinery that appears to be currently operating. 
Get back, Scott. I... What are you staring at so wild-eyed? Look, girl, behind the hook. It's got to be Bruce Banner's secret lab that he was just talking about. <laughs> yeah. Beast was the one that kicked him into the lab. If this is his lab. Anyways, the Hulk is freaking out because he's like, Stop talking about Banner. Hulk hates that name. The X-Men just completely ignore that and say, Look, we got to get Banner's device. Hulk keeps getting mad. Banner, Banner, Banner! <laughs> he starts pulling up the f- desert floor. I don't know how that works. He's the Hulk. <laughs> he can do whatever he <laughs> wants. I can pick up desert floors. Cyclops blasts him again, and he's going to try to do the same plan as he did before, but the Hulk's like, you're not going to pull that over on me again. So he punches the ground and causes a, like a earth separation thingamajobber. Cyclops is worried that it'll destroy the lab, which will kill the professor, and Beast grabs Marvel Girl and Cyclops saving their lives, saying, Most commendable, Master Summers, to think only of others in a moment of an impending catastrophe. To which Cyclops shouts, It's Hank! <laughs> and doesn't it kind of look like uh, Hank has ripped off Cyclops' hand? And Cyclops <laughs> yeah, is like flying way below like my hand. You ripped my I, hand. I think it looks like he took off Marvel Girl's hand too. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's a <laughs> very poor perspective shot. Either that or the X-Men are two less hands. Nope, on the next panel we see that the Sentinel ship is hovering with Beast hanging off of a laddery thing holding up those two X-Men. And So did they not land the ship? They did land the ship. Apparently, they put it on autopilot. Hmm. I guess. I don't know. Well, they did land the ship because it says, but by the time the X-Men's craft has landed. So I guess Beast got back in the ship, flew it up, dropped the ladder, climbed down the ladder, and rescued them. Go Beast. Sure. I'll go with that. Uh, Meanwhile, Angel, having no idea what this... Uh, mental gamma device would look like has found. See, I have a theory on that. <laughs> the mental gamma <laughs> device. Yes, what's your theory? My theory is that Bruce Banner is a very good labeler, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and and he his labels are very large too. So Angel just walked in and he was like, "Oh, what's that say? Does that say a gamma ray treatment device for mental exhaustion?" Why, yes, it does. Per correspondence with Professor Charles Xavier? Hmm. <laughs> that must be it. I'm going to take this. And uh, the X-Men are kind of like, all right, well, let's let's take off. Hulk wants to be left alone, and we got to get back and help our professor. And the Hulk's like, all right, cool. I want some peace. And they talk about, wasn't it an amazing coincidence? The Hulk led us to the place. And they're like, ah, oh, you don't think it was a coincidence any more than I do, lady. Somewhere inside that brute is the Bruce Banner that knew that a man's life was at stake and led us there in spite of the Hulk. To which I say, that's still a pretty big coincidence. <laughs> that the Hulk just happened to be at the area where they needed to be to get this device. And also that that the beast happened to knock him off of a cliff which happened to expose where the lab was. And Angel happened to find the right device. Now, I I will agree with you on all of those. I can buy the first part of Bruce Banner kind of subconsciously driving the Hulk over there. It's everything else that just falls apart. (laughs) 
Like if actually what it would have made it slightly better is if the Hulk would have like inadvertently punched the side of the wall and then like jumped off or something and then they'd be like, Oh, what's over there? Oh, it's the lab. Oh my gosh. Right. I could maybe get behind that, but everything else is it just doesn't work for me. But anyways, they get back to the mansion. They apparently there was an instruction manual with this thing and everything because they set it up and they push the button and the professor wakes up. <laughs> we think this might be the device, but we can't be sure until we've tested it on Professor Xavier. That yeah. doesn't sound like a great plan. So, well, I mean, it works just like everything else is. <laughs> everything else in this has not been a very good plan and it's worked out. Let's not stop now. Push the button, Cyclops. Boop. Boop. Oh, you have done well, my X-Men. You have deciphered the only clue I could summon the power to give you. I like the fact that Beast sees his eyes are opening and says, but are they opening with life or the vacant stare of death? Quiet, both of you. He's trying to speak, <laughs> Marvel Girl says. Beast is very grim. Uh, looks like just about not everybody, but almost everybody gets a line here. Thank the Lord. Perhaps there's justice left for the ragtag after all. Everybody but the girls. Yep. Marvel Girl doesn't get a word. Neither does Lorna. Angel says, amen. Uh, the professor has like a little speech he delivers about as long as we're here, we'll be able to save the planet from evil mutants. And I'll be here for a long time. So basically, it's a good world. It's one worth <laughs> saving. As long as there are people in it like the X-Men. And the last little caption there says, and they fought happily ever after question mark question mark <laughs> and that's how she ends not with a bang but a whimper <laughs> so this would be the last issue of x-men in 1970 until december so there's a letter here now it doesn't really matter because the X-Men don't continue, but it's the second letter in here. It's by David Conzo, and this man has been paying attention. Yes, he has a lot of good questions. He's all like, where's Carl Rankin? What happened to Super Adaptoid? Why isn't Gene any at Metro College anymore? And he's got, like, mention points of what issues this happened and stuff. Why? Why? Remember the X-Men were supposed to separate because of the FBI and the ever-growing evil mutants? What happened to that? And then he wants to see some more uh, relationships develop between Scott's brother and the development of romance between Candy and Warren, which kind of seemed to start happening, but absolutely went nowhere. Gene and Scott apparently haven't kissed yet, uh, which is true, at least on page. And then he says, uh, Iceman and the girl, oh, what's her name? It's been too long. What was her name? <laughs> Zelda. Uh, yeah, lots of really good questions. Oh, you don't think he's referring to Lorna? I, I think he's referring to Zelda. Hmm. Could be. Right? Because, I mean, they were dating and then he met Lorna and it's kind of like, you never really addressed that, that particularly awkward two-timingness of him. Yeah. And uh, Marvel or the editor here, Stan Lee, presumably, he's like, well, maybe they're kissing off page, but he doesn't address any of those issues whatsoever. I think it was Chris Claremont who was answering the letter pages at this point. Chris is all like, yeah, I know. It's a big problem. <laughs> I really hope somebody does something about this at some point. And then on the next page, we get a special announcement from Stan, Roy, and Neil. This is the final issue of the X-Men. 
at least for the time being. There's a lot of text here, but basically what it boils down to is sales were not very good. Yeah, these are 1960 sales too, meaning that like every issue of the X-Men probably sold over 100,000 copies. Okay. Is that bad? That's 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 bad for that time. Oh, okay. I guess they printed like 400,000 copies of every comic book or something like that, depending on the popularity of it. Uh, so they were getting these things returned in droves, basically? Like yeah. Thrown out or something? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know entirely how it works. but Well, I think I read somewhere that if you were a newsstand uh, and you ordered a whole bunch of comic books, magazines, and newspapers, whatever you didn't sell, you got to send back to the editor and be like, I didn't sell these. And then you'd have to get your, you'd get your money back or something like that. Cool. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know. And then I think, but the direct market, like they said, no returns. <laughs> like you want a box, you keep a box. At least that's the way I understand it. I could be wrong. Man, if I was like a comic retailer back in the day and getting all these hundreds of comics, I would just, I would just keep them in boxes. You know, you'd think so, but they didn't know. They had no idea. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe towards the end, because what I did notice, because uh, my issues have the all the advertisements in them, this is one of the first issues that actually has an advertisement for a um, comic book catalog back issue thing. Hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I'm wondering if 1968 is kind of like the beginning of like collectors and maybe some stores are starting to pop up for back issues and such. Don't know. I don't know either. But I mean, think about the majority of these comic books were were at gas stations and grocery stores and other places. These people didn't care. You know, the shopkeeps. Newsstands. Yeah, yeah, the corner newsstands. So, anyways, uh, that's that's the end of the the old X Men, basically, or the first round of X Men. If a comic sold 100,000 copies today, they wouldn't be canceling it. <laughs> it's that bad? Yeah. So does um does the Omnibus say anything about how this went down, or is there any insights at all? Basically, it says that because the sales were so low, they decided to cancel the book, and that a few months later, they started getting the returns from all of the, the latest issues and saw that there was actually some sort of potential going on with this X-Men book. So they brought it back, but only as a reprint series. Oh, Yeah, I mean, that makes a little bit more sense. I mean, it would be interesting to for me to, to learn, and it probably says it somewhere, I just didn't bother to do the research, but I mean, when you, whenever you look up like what happened uh, with the X Men at this point, it's always low sales and they canceled, and then a, you know a few years later they you know put together giant size and the rest is history. But I've, having never read any of these issues, um, it just what if they would have stopped at issue sixty five? I mean, where in the bullpen were they like, hmm? this is where we're going to stop. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, did they, was it, was it like, uh, somebody like, Oh, look, I get it. Like these are bad sales, but if we really want to bookend this story, let's do this last issue. Let's bring the professor back. Let's make sure that he's healthy. And then we'll, we'll, we'll close the books on it. 
What do you say, guys? Yin, yin, yin. Let's do it. Yeah, I don't know. They were, they were doing these things like months in advance, so they had like prior knowledge. And maybe maybe sometimes they just didn't have a lot of prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. The Mar- the letters page made it sound like that there were other books getting discontinued at the time. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. Well, probably like Sergeant Fury and... Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, Brand X. So it was probably things. just like a... Uh, they were, they, this was the chopping block. Hmm. This is where we're going to... We're going to shut down three or four issue comics and we're going to start up three or four new ones, see how those sales go. Well, I said it last week and I'll say it again. It's very fortuitous that they picked this point in the comic book to stop because it just it, it, it was a point where everybody is healthy a lot, not all based on the letter that we read, but most major story points have been ended. I guess they didn't really open that many to begin with, but yeah, there weren't really story points so much as just blatant continuity errors. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't care or lapses. They're not even errors; they're just lapses. So, what we intend to do now is uh, there's, as Adam said, there's about what five years between this and when Giant Size came out, and Jeremy, what? I've read almost every issue that features the X-Men between now and giant size. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. Well, but, but that does, but there's still five years, right? I'm, I'm going to very soon be the most knowledgeable person on the period between X-Men 66 and X-Men giant size or 94 on the face of the planet. Uh, Yeah. I want to be there. I want to be over there right with you, buddy. (laughs) That's the whole point of this podcast. I could care less about these first 66 issues. I wanted to get to this point. What happened between 66 and giant size number one? That's what I want to know. And that's what we're going to do, dear listeners. We're going to take you into the other Marvel tales and Doctor Stranges and Fantastic Fours and Avengers where villains and X-Men pop up to find out how things get connected from here to giant size. Yeah? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm excited. There's a lot of things that I think could happen. I've only read a little bit of it. Anyways, we've got uh, we got some new uh, people on the Facebook. So I would like to welcome to the podcast and, and say thank you for your support and, and keep coming and commenting and stuff. The Facebook is, is hopping. And the Twitter has been hopping of late, too. The sad thing is, like, I wanted to a- answer something, but I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need somebody to tweet not only for the danger room, but then to also, like, ask me, like, what do you think of this? And I'll tell them, and they'll be like, all right, then they'll tweet that for me. <laughs> and I'll be like, yay, I'm tweeting. And then if somebody can retweet what I told somebody to tweet, oh, my gosh, then my Twitter <laughs> dreams would be coming true (laughs) also um so i think we got quite a long letter that was john harris adam attempt to paraphrase please it it is a very long letter it's it's a very nice letter and it's a very long letter and it's uh it's from somebody who's been who finally caught up to the sunfire issue which was uh two episodes ago Mm -hmm. and is writing after after all that time he says that uh, he's been listening 
to us for roughly 70 hours of us chatting away. And that kind of blows my mind. Holy cow. We've wow. been talking for that long. That's a lot of time. Imagine if like that's all we were doing. <laughs> my wife can't even put up with seven minutes of me talking. <laughs> Somebody listened to 70 hours of us. Good Lord. But uh, yeah, so he's not on Facebook, Twitter, or iTunes. But if he were to give us an iTunes review, it would go five stars. Awesome. Hmm. We should be able to proxy that somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, someone should uh, log in for him. Oh, his name, by the way, is John Harris. There did we go. mention that yet? I, I don't know. I did. Uh, then he goes on to discuss um, the kind of the errors in the comics where uh, somebody will call Angel Scott. Mm -hmm. And he comes up with a couple of ideas for why that happens. My personal favorite is that they just don't like Angel. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they're just trying to make it known to him, like, we don't really like you, buddy. You know, that that is actually an interesting point, because, I mean, when you get five people together, inevitably, two of those people are just not going to be, you know, quite get along. Like, if it wasn't for the other three people, like, they just wouldn't be together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so I wonder, of the X-Men, who that would be. Well, I can tell you, Iceman definitely does not like Alex Summers. Nah, he doesn't count, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, to continue on. Um, I guess at some point we must have asked how the Beast's change came about. Oh. Because he goes into a very detailed explanation of that, um, covering all the issues that I actually just read over the weekend, featuring that change, oh. which um, we are going to eventually discuss on this show. I'll skip I'll skip that part. I think when we asked that it was more tongue in cheek, you know, cuz I knew I I knew this story. I've just never read it. That's what I'm looking forward to. Like I've read so many things about like and then the juggernaut did this and then came out of that and went over here and did this and I'm like, "Oh, that's amazing." But I never actually got to read the issues. So the same thing with the beast where they talk about what what happened to him. I've heard it. Well, I've read it now, Jeremy, and I can tell you. It's a doozy. Is it awesome? Don't even tell me. I want to read it for myself. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, then he goes to comment about the fact that we noticed the, you remember the Buddha statue that we noticed? Yes. In the Sunfire issue? Yes. Well, he owns a very similar uh, Buddha statue, which he calls the Party Buddha. Oh. And I guess he's he's had this for six years and has brought it to several parties. And I guess I guess he's uh, he's a real party animal. I guess what we're gonna have to do is uh, find the actual panel in the comic and then put it uh, uh, next to this and then throw that up on the Facebook. We'll do it at some point. Yeah, we'll have to attach it to that that episode. He he sent us a photo of the Budo, which is kind of cool. It's um it's an interesting photo too because like if you look at the photo, there's a hand on each side of the Buddha holding it up. Oh, it's and the hand on the left is a male hand, and the hand on the right is a female hand. Well, he's a party Buddha. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. What's the explanation for that? Two different people or a bi-gender person? Oh. I hope it's a half man, half woman, who's half woman on one half and half man on the other half. That's Right, what I... but they're... But their brains are reversed, so the the woman side thinks it's a man, and, and the man—I don't know. What oh I'm my gosh! About. And so it's just whenever. Oh <laughs> my gosh, it's a yeah, it's a conundrum every time they get together. Anyhow, uh, 
He he also uh, talks about uh, some of the retconny stuff, Hidden Years, Deadly Genesis, and he basically says he doesn't care so much about that stuff. And uh, I got to be honest, you know, I've been trying my hardest to get through uh, the Hidden Years, and uh, oof, it's it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> it is rough, but. Uh, we we plan to uh, uh i think we're not you know we had talked about some like extended or a whole episode we, we'll talk about that more we'll wing that one as well but uh, it'll be brief we'll keep that one brief he mentions that henry mccoy's middle name is philip mhm and that he has been referred to as henry c mccoy and henry j mccoy which i got to thinking people used to call me like they would give me a middle initial that was not their middle initial that is my middle name. Mm. So I'm thinking maybe it's just like a nickname of Gene just going, hey, Henry C. McCoy. That was interesting. That's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he likes that we've brought back Natch. <laughs> yep. Natch has been missing for a while, though. That's true. That's true. We're gonna. It's probably going to disappear completely in the 70s. Oh, man. We'll have to come up with some other, we'll have to see whatever the, the cool catchphrases are. He has a criticism that we aren't doing as many voices as we used to do. You know, it's hard to do the voices uh, because I forget them. And then when somebody says, I love Jeremy's awesome insert voice here, then I get self-conscious because I'm like, I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> so, But I think uh, Toad has remained consistent, so... He does mention that he's glad that to know that he's not the only one who imagined Toad with that voice. Yes. Peter Lore, Igor-esque voice. And that about covers it. We'll try as we move forward to, to incorporate the voices. Like, you can't, you can't force it. It's just got to kind of happen. It's got to feed in with the panel. And uh, those early issues with Scott, you know, uh, tightening his bow tie and stuff, just scream like, <laughs> oh, Gene. But when you get kind of towards muscly Scott in the Neil Adams era, you're kind of like, eh, he's not quite so dorky anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, anyways. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should just keep him, keep him dorky <laughs> for, for the rest of the, the run. All right. I'll have to go back to those old issues and uh, brush up. Hey, on you guys. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thank you for that letter. It was great. Uh, thanks for listening uh, to all 70 hours, now 71 hours, I guess. Uh, and uh, if other people would like to reach out to us, um, they should. They should write us at uh, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. They, you could visit us at our Twitter page, twitter.com forward slash, no, it's just at Go Danger Room, right? Uh-oh, at Danger Room Go. <laughs> Shoot, I almost thought <laughs> well, I had that master. If you want to go there, it's twitter.com slash Danger Room Go, but if you just want to tweet us, it's at Danger Room Go. Okay, and you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast or www.redcatproductions.com forward slash Danger Room uh, visit the webpage there at that danger room or redcat.productions.com because Adam and I put up the various panels that we, we sometimes find fun with up there. And, uh, you know, it's fun to, if you, if you're wondering exactly what are we laughing at or what was that party Buddha, uh, you, you can go and you can see what they were and they're, they're fun. So you should do that. Those are the ways that you could get a hold of us. You can also kind of see us on Stitcher and iTunes where you should leave us a five-star review 
because we haven't gotten one in a while and we all think we 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 jeremy and i think you hate us now <laughs> yeah i wouldn't go that far and uh you can also call us 501 get x-men so yeah call us come up come up with some clever like calls that we can share on the show come up with some some fun stuff you're out at the uh, bar and you're with all your friends and you're drunk and you're talking about X-Men with your drunk friends at the bar because that's what you do, right, Adam? That's what I do. That's well, all I do at the bar. That's why I go to the bar. I'm all like, I get drunk and I'm like, you guys see Zaboo? He's a lion. And then I could call and I could be like, I'm at the bar. Zaboo! And then I would hang up the phone, and then we'd be like, that's really funny, and then we would insert that, and then you would hear your drunk self talking about whatever X-Men-related thing you wanted to talk about on this very podcast. And for our sober friends, you can do the same thing, and you don't even have to be drunk. It's true. You don't. <laughs> that's what sober means. <laughs> yes. So anyways, uh, anything else you want to add to that, Adam? We, uh, we look forward to figuring out what we're doing next week and hope to see you there. Until next week, the danger room is closed. We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our Choose. We start.